Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin, and on this week's show, our next guest has been seen on VH1, Inside Edition, Nightline on ABC, and much more. She's been quoted in the New York Times, Forbes, Vanity Fair, Shape, Cosmopolitan, Rolling Stone, and so many other print media. She is the author of the book, Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, which has been endorsed by the one and only Deepak Chopra himself. She is a licensed clinical psychologist holding both a master's and PhD in clinical psychology. You might know her as Dr. Chloe. Please welcome Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Hi, Kirsten. Great to be with you. Great to have you here. I'm really excited to talk to you. I know you have this uh, book that recently came out, but and it's about anxiety. It's about how to kind of turn that nervous energy into kind of almost like your superpower, right? So like, I think it's really, really cool. Exactly. Um, but tell me a little bit about like, what actually is anxiety? Like I know it's defined in the DSM, but what the heck is it? Well, that's a good question. So really what's defined in the DSM are anxiety disorders. And a lot of people get that confused then with the idea that maybe all anxiety is bad. Whereas actually, there's a lot of very healthy functions to anxiety. The healthy function of anxiety is to stimulate preparation behaviors. People get into the disorder space, in my experience, a lot of times when they just instead of taking action on that healthy signal that that anxiety is trying to stimulate, maybe they're afraid to take that action. And so then they just get stuck, you know, ruminating or, you know, just stuck in fear or something like that. So anxiety is basically like a a thought or a concern about the future or something that we, you know, think needs some preparation. For example, a person with no anxiety wouldn't look both ways before they cross the street, right? So anxiety does have a healthy function. That's what I want people to know. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess we wouldn't, would we? <laughs> so, so awesome. So then really then, you know, what then would nervous energy actually be? Yeah. So nervous energy is basically just the friendly label that I'm putting on anxiety to help people separate it from anxiety disorders, right? Because right. again, that nervous energy is that little shot of adrenaline, or that, you know, really kind of even mild sense of, of awareness that there is something that needs our attention. And the good news again, is that mother nature wired us so that when we have that mental awareness, we do get a little boost of energy, you know, in our body. And some people, again, who maybe don't understand what to do with that, or who have a disorder, they might be prone to just, you know, letting that energy sit inside of them and not knowing what to do with it. And then they get anxiety about the anxiety and it snowballs from there. But if we can just think of that healthy anxiety as nervous energy, then it actually becomes a gift. Well, and I love how you're putting it, obviously, as a mindset expert, I I, I love how you're reframing that, right? So, you know, because we can totally get lost in the idea of oh, I shouldn't have anxiety. Why do I have it? And then we try and push it down and, and that just creates more issues, right? <laughs> so. 
it is so true. It not only creates more issues because we're creating the anxiety, but we're also then depriving ourselves of the healthy function of the anxiety. We're like trying to shout it down when it's actually a healthy part of ourselves. And so what I think people should do instead when they do feel that little kind of tickle of anxiety, instead of becoming self-critical or, yeah. you know, trying to shout it down or silence that, which is just a waste of that, you know, delicious, wonderful energy. Instead, they should say, well, hello, anxiety, you know, thanks for popping up to tell me like, what is it that you, you know, want me to do? What is it that you want me to prepare for? You know, what are some yeah. actions I could take? What are some conversations I could have? You know, my book is full of nine actual specific do-it-yourself techniques because I found that many people with anxiety, and this is the positive thing again, they tend to be very conscientious. They tend to be very detail-oriented. And so they just need tools. They just need to know how to point that energy in the right direction. But the first step to doing that is to stop trying to shout it down and ask it like, okay, is this an anxiety that's trying to help me to cue me to do some kind of a calm down technique? Or is this an anxiety that's telling me that I need to sharpen my pencils and make some preparation behaviors? We can't just have like a one size fits all. Some people are like, oh yeah, if I get anxiety, I just do deep breathing. (laughs) Or like if I get anxiety, I do my let go exercise. Well, what if your anxiety is about a big meeting tomorrow? Letting go may not be the smartest thing to do. So we want to really understand what the anxiety is about and then respond to its message that it's trying to bring. It's not the enemy, I promise. That's awesome. I love it. Like, oh, I got anxiety the the other day because my house lit on fire and I decided to meditate. Exactly. (laughs) Like, what what really helped? (laughs) I love it. And I love the questions you asked because I'm all about asking the, the questions to understand what a feeling and emotion a response is. So if you guys didn't catch that, we're going to pin that and we're going to make sure that you have that. So you know exactly where to go in this audio to hear those questions again, because that's super, super important. And I think that this is like super timely, not just the release of this book, but after all that's gone on after this past year, right? People who thought they were like, oh, I'm so stress-free all of a sudden are facing these things. And if they are doing that thing of like, kind of, trying to avoid it or think that it's not okay, that they shouldn't feel this way. Right. Because I I feel as though, and you can tell me from your experience, I feel as though everybody's on this path of like uh, this, like, I want everyone to be happy. I'm not saying not be happy, but this idea that like happiness is this thing, which it is, but that the other side shouldn't exist. Like if it pops in, I must be doing something wrong. If I get angry, I must be doing something wrong. If I feel stressed, I must be doing something wrong versus like, oh, dude, I feel that. Well, I wonder why I feel that. Like what's going on? Like, what is my head saying? Like, what am I thinking? Well, that is so true. So true. I mean, especially for what I work with and what my book, Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety is geared towards a specifically high-functioning people, which, you know, Kirsten, I'm guessing is you and people like your listeners, most people, you know, high functioning people, it's just a psychology term that basically means someone who's, you know, not only able to make sure that their own basics are covered, like food, clothing, and shelter, have a couple good relationships, they can set an alarm clock and get somewhere on time. In psychology, if, if that's, you know, you're doing the basics, then, you know, and then a little bit beyond, then you would be like a high functioning person if you're running a podcast, right, for example. And so it's normal for high functioning people to get a little stressed because 
of our natural desire that when we do kind of reach a place where we've got everything, quote, you know, mastered, that's when we might say, oh, I'm going to pick up a new hobby or, you know, maybe I'll learn to salsa dance or whatever. And then it does increase the, quote, stress on us, but it's a good stress. It's actually a healthy stress. Um, You know, so when we feel that, you know, it's not always a bad thing. Same thing for anger, to your point. Um, You know, it's actually appropriate. The healthy function of anger is to actually cue us to reset boundaries. So if someone's walking all over you, you're supposed to feel angry. It's a healthy reaction to injustice. And it is what gives you the energy and the focus to realize that you need to reset your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So actually you mentioned this. So, so you're talking about high functioning individuals. Can you give me some examples of how, you know, anxieties might display themselves in an individual? Sure. I mean, so for example, like ruminating, right? So I mentioned the example, if you have a big meeting tomorrow, right? Um, And then you might be replaying every possible scenario of the meeting in your mind, or, you know, you might be just, you know, if you're, you know, not using your anxiety in the healthy way, you might just be like, going over everything about yourself in just a a really critical way without actually thinking to yourself like, okay, well, if I'm not happy with the way that I present at a job interview, then maybe instead of just sitting here criticizing myself tonight, I could call a friend and ask them to role play it with me on Zoom and like give me a few tips or something like that. So the idea is just that we want to convert that anxiety into something healthy. Okay. Awesome. And, and is your book something that will give us the tools and techniques to be able to do that process? To be able to oh, totally, that? totally. Because okay. I wrote the book based on all of the examples of all of, and I count myself in this group of neurotic New Yorkers. So, Woo-hoo! you know, in my, in my <laughs> practice, you know, started off in New York City, and um, I had the privilege to work with, you know, just a lot of like young lawyers, PR people, media people, you know. <laughs> publishers, you know, just everything that for many of us, we might kind of think is normal because high functioning people tend to cluster together, but we don't realize, you know, that it actually is a little bit higher functioning. And so anyway, I, in the book, I give like plenty of examples. It's a lot of storytelling. I also tell stories from my own life about like how I mispronounced a word on national television and started to have a, (laughs) and then I used one of the techniques in the book to just really quickly reset myself. So tons of stories, tons of examples. It's kind of like half cookbook of like do it yourself step-by-steps and half stories. So people understand like why and how they would use them. Yeah. I love that. I love a story teach, you know, tool method. Um, I think it's super, it's super impactful. Um, So (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. And it's funny because somebody, somebody, Taryn Ward, sorry, Taryn, I'm calling you out here, uh, had just posted on Facebook a cute little meme about, you know, she's in real estate. And so when, when there's a deal coming up, she can't sleep because she's always checking her phone to see like, did they accept the offer? Right. And I can say this from my experience too. I own a legal recruiting company. So of course I, when I was recruiting actively and my recruiters were always, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, did you get the deal? Did you get the deal? What, you know, and, and what do you think, um, and this is true for anybody, right? Anybody closing a deal, anybody in sales who is waiting for the yes to, to, to their deal. Right. Um, what would you say for someone like that to do when it's, you know, 
12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning already. And you're like, damn it. I just want to sleep. Like, what can I do? Like, yeah. what are some yeah. of the things? Cause that, I think that happens often, you know, and I don't care what it is. Like you're coming up on a court hearing, you know, as a former attorney, like, oh, you have this big hearing and you're, you're, you're practicing it in your mind and you're thinking of all the ways it could go down. And, and, and obviously that's a good thing. That's, that's why some of us have never lost in court. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, you do that, but to the point where, you know, it's too much. Yeah. Right now you're not getting sleep. Now you're not going to actually be good because you're too tired. Like what yeah. can we do in those situations? Lots of things. Okay. So <laughs> for ex- I, I would want to start by saying that a person might have developed that habit when they were in their teens or early twenties, right? When maybe you just had one big thing at a time, like final exams. And yep. maybe at that one point in your life, it actually did behoove you to just constantly only think about that one thing. And also that was before your executive lobe of your brain was fully formed. It doesn't finish forming till about age 25. So it might've been that in your teens and early twenties, that was actually a good strategy to just constantly think about that one thing to just, you know, prevent yourself from, you know, getting totally sidetracked. But then once you have better equipment, like a fully evolved executive lobe, you know, using that old tool of just constantly, you know, rigidly focusing that big, beautiful, fully developed brain on that one thing, you know, is suddenly somewhat counterproductive. Also, as you mature and, you know, climb, you might then have five big deals, right? And so tracking them all in that way is no longer productive. In a similar sense, a lot of clients come to my office, you know, because maybe they would obsessively double check everything. And that worked great in high school or in college. But then, you know, when you're working at big law, there's there's really no time to do that. So one of the first things I would want a person to do in that situation is to not be critical of themselves, to recognize that the part of them that's doing that might just be doing it out of a cognitive habit and that that part of you is coming from a good place. It's coming from a good place of wanting you to succeed, wanting you to keep track of the deal, or maybe even just being eager for the reward of seeing it close. So we don't want to shout down that part of ourselves. Again, it's a waste of energy. We want to actually say to that part of ourselves, like, hey, I get it. You know, you're excited about this. You're focused on it. And maybe at one point in time, it felt helpful to keep doing this. But at this point, I think the best thing that we can do is to maybe set the calendar reminder, you know, if we even have to, but like that at 10 a.m. tomorrow, you know, we're going to check it. And then in the meantime, maybe use a technique from my book, something like there are many that I think would be helpful for that one. But one, for example, would be the mental shortlist, which is where we come up with five good topics that we can pivot onto instead, right? Because sometimes it's almost just like, a strong, high-functioning mind can be like a dog with a bone, and it can be very persistent once it gets something on its mind, which is a good thing until we just get stuck on something. A good way to get unstuck is to hand yourself you know, five other good things to think about instead so you don't get in the don't think about pink elephants thing. And if it's one o'clock, if anyone doesn't know, it's like when you tell yourself don't think about pink elephants, <laughs> that's like what you think about. Another good thing, um, if it's that middle of the night thing and you really shouldn't even be thinking about anything, like even on your mental shortlist new would be um, under thought replacement, another technique in the book, you might give yourself a good thought replacement, like the most productive thing I can do right now is sleep. 
the most productive thing I can do right now is sleep. And to just, you know, repeat that to yourself because the part of you that's wanting to check that email is the part of you that's wanting to be productive. So you don't want to like, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater to use a terrible phrase. You maybe just want to recognize that the part of you that wants to be productive is coming from a good place, but just remind it that the best way to be productive right now is actually to sleep. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. One of the things that I will do if I'm really, for whatever reason, not going to bed, any reason, like, you know, even if it's I Netflixed and now the light is in my eye and I can't just, I actually, and tell me what you think about this. I actually do a self-hypnosis like countdown. So like almost like a meditative, you know, and I've, I've put myself into a certain place where I do a certain type of countdown. I learned it from the late Jose Silva, I should say. And um, that's, that's what I do. And it pretty much at this point works. Um, you know, it was like a little bit of a challenge at first in the sense of even getting myself to do the countdown. Right. Cause I'm like, ah, but once I, I started doing it now, it's been like, you know, a long enough time that it's like, I can put myself to sleep on a train if I really wanted to. <laughs> Not that I would. Well, that's awesome. And I, I, I think that's great. I mean, like other kind of similar things would be a person could program their smart home device. I'll just say Lexi because I don't want to wake mine up right now. Um, <laughs> but you could program your smart home device even to just like automatically put on rain sounds at nine o'clock yeah, and even announce nice. like it's time to go to bed and even walk you through that meditation. Another thing that I talk about in the book because high functioning people do have very active minds is that sometimes listening to an audiobook is a better choice than Netflix because obviously you have to keep your eyes open to watch Netflix. Whereas if you close your eyes and listen to an audiobook, um, it kind of, it gives your mental monologue something to wrap itself around just while your eyes are closed. So that can be helpful too. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that one. I'm going to try that one. And you know what else I, I tend to do is I'll actually write down what's in my head because I realize part of me staying up it's like, oh, am I going to remember it? Like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, well, if I think about this right now, like, am I going to remember if it's not like, oh, is the deal closed? If it's like, like a list I'm going through, like, oh, like, oh, I just realized I have to do this. Oh, I just realized like this. You know, I don't know if you do that, but like, ah! <laughs> right. Oh, so true. So true. So, I mean, and to that point, and I actually talk about this in the book a fair amount, um, it, there's a few good ways to do that, you know, depending on like the nature of the material. Yeah. So, some, so, and the nature of, of the person. So for some people keeping a pencil and paper by their bed so they can write down any, you know, kind of last minute thoughts. So they're not, as you said, trying to keep them in their working right. memory. Um, or like a journal, like if you're just like thinking through the day's events and it's not really a to-do, but there's just like, you're thinking about this situation to just describe the situation and just write it down what you're thinking about. It just gives yourself another way to, you know, process it and release it. Sometimes just having a record of it helps your mind to just know, you know, that it, it doesn't have to keep track of it. One last thing I like for those situations, again, just depending on the person is sometimes voice memo apps are helpful because for some people, once they start, you know, writing or, you know, turning on a light, it's like too much That's and finding it, the yeah. words. And so just doing a voice memo for some people, I have voice memo, my secretary. I was just about to say that time. I could voice memo and then send it to someone so they can transcribe and then you can be reminded <laughs> or they can just do it. Like sometimes it's more like, I'm like, Oh, you know, I need my team to do X, yes, Y, yes. and Z. And so I just voice memo to my team and be done. That's awesome. Oh my God. Okay. That's it. It's on the list. 
I'm going to have people that hate me now. (laughs) So what is the, you know, I love this conversation, by the way, but tell me what are the, what is the biggest thing that you would hope someone could take away from reading your book? Well, let's see. Um, I guess I think the biggest thing would be that anxiety is not the enemy. It is really just a matter of knowing how to point it in the right direction. Um, That's why in my book, the very first technique is actually more of a mindfulness technique. Mm -hmm. And then the other eight techniques are more like, you know, how to resolve the anxiety. Because the first thing that we want to do is actually really look at it and study it and understand it. And most people skip that part because they just have this knee-jerk reaction you know, that it's bad or that we have to get rid of it. And once we can strip that away and realize it's usually actually coming from a very good, well-intentioned part of ourselves. And ironically, again, it's not that I think we want to get rid of it, but it actually does subside when we listen to it and take action on it usually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So guys, this is it. If you guys have any questions or comments, let us know. I am so happy to have you here, Dr. Chloe. We're going to have some links below, not just to the book itself, but so that you can also be connected with Dr. Chloe, whether that I believe we have like LinkedIn. I think we have like everything, (laughs) LinkedIn, Instagram, everything. It will be in the description so you guys can connect and reach out to her directly. Dr. Chloe, thank you so much for your time. Any last words? Yes, Kirsten. There is one more thing I wanted to share, which is just a free offer for your community. So amazing. Yeah, I actually, I'm starting up a little community of my own and I really want some just active members in it. We all kind of need some people to just come in and break the ice and give us some feedback even on some of the private videos and content that we're posting, like anxiety fighting tools and stuff like that. So anybody can direct message me if they want complimentary entry into my community, if they promise to be a good member. And if you do get my book and you do like it, I would love it if you would screenshot me an Amazon review and then I would love you forever. Because those help me so much with algorithms. Where would be the best place for them to DM you? Yeah, they can DM me through any of my social channels. I'm all over social. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have that for everyone. Thank you again, Dr. Chloe. Thanks, Kirsten. Great to be with you. Take care. Thanks. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course, you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.